So Money episode 264, Anthony Saleh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm bringing an episode out right now that, believe it or not, I recorded this back in November of 2014. Somehow this episode got lost in the fray. I thought I had lost it, actually, and found it. It represented itself a couple of weeks ago. I got so excited because I really didn't want to go back to this person and say, with my tail between my legs and say, I lost your interview. Can we do it again? This is a guest like none other. He straddles the worlds of music and technology. He manages artists like multi-platinum rap legend Nas while also investing in tech startups. His name is Anthony Saleh. His background is in mathematics and electrical engineering. And while pursuing those degrees, he discovered his true calling in the world of music. Now, a little bit about Anthony's illustrious music career. And by the way, he's not even 30. He is the CEO of Imagine Entertainment Group and an artist manager with C3 Management. He executive produced Nas's 2008 Untitled and 2012 Life is Good albums, both of which were Grammy nominated and debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. In 2009, he partnered with Troy Carter to be the executive vice president and general manager of Adam Factory. And during his tenure, Adam Factory represented Nicki Minaj, Robin Thicke, Mary J. Blige, Lady Gaga... Tony Braxton, and many other artists. Anthony is also an influential member and part-time resident of Silicon Valley, where he is an avid angel and seed investor and advisor to many of America's top tech startup companies. He is also an Emmy Award winner, because you know, why not? He has been named as Billboard's top 30 under 30. And most recently, I just read an article where he was named a top 100 entrepreneur by Levo.com. In our conversation with Anthony, he's so much fun. He talks about how he got started in his music management career, not the typical trajectory, right? For a math and engineering student. He talks about the small business that he ran as a child. And finally, his take on why so many entertainers are bad with money and he has witnessed this firsthand. Here we go. Without further ado, Anthony Saleh. Anthony Saleh, thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to talk to you. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to speak to you as well. Now, you are based in Los Angeles, and if there's ever a town where you're encouraged to hustle, I think it's L.A., especially if you work in entertainment. And I remember meeting a writer one time telling me he was a hustling hyphenate. He was an actor slash writer slash waiter slash dog walker. And you, Anthony, are also a mega hyphenate. But, of course, at a much higher level, you're an artist, manager, angel investor, startup founder, producer. But interestingly enough, you have your degree in math and electrical engineering. So where did you get your start into the world that you're in now? Um, That's a great question. Well, essentially for me, I wanted a change uh, when I was in Los Angeles and um, I decided to move to New York um, to take on an opportunity to work at an independent agency. 
being good at numbers or, or whatever the case may be. It's not about like studying in the field that you study in. It's more about how you think versus what you know. And learning how to think really helped me deal with any situation that came in front of me. So essentially there were life skills in there. Like I, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing, I'm not doing 12 page proofs in, in, in a, in a music marketing meeting, but at the same time, you know, it's just the way you process information became very helpful in a lot of ways. I think I was properly prepared for what I was doing. It just doesn't sound like the norm on paper. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I think you're right. I mean, we go to college for four years maybe five, six these days, it does not define the rest of your life. And um, it's really encouraging to see people like you really have a a reinvention of sorts after college. There is life after college and a really exciting one. Okay, let's talk money. You're an angel investor. You're, uh, you know, you're, you're frequently starting businesses. You're you're not um, foreign to the value of money and and money by and large. So my first question for you, Anthony, is what is your personal financial philosophy that you live by that guides you as you make financial decisions every day? Man, you know, because I'm so on the run, it, <laughs> I, I, I may not always be the best person to ask these questions to, but. I'm going to give you my God honest opinion. People always ask me about, you know, money and whatnot. And I, and I tell them the exact same thing all the time. I say, I do my best to take care of myself. Um, I do my best to look as presentable as possible. I do my best to be as comfortable as possible in my life within reason and mean. And ultimately I just work my ass off and hope that the bills are get paid. Like I don't have a specific philosophy around, you know, what to save, what to spend and whatnot. I just bust my ass and pray to God that my lights stay on. And, um, and so far it's, I've been pretty successful at it. But truthfully, it does sound like you have a philosophy. You may not have defined it, but I'll tell you what I think it is. It's don't bother saving, make more, make as much money as you can. And then the rest of the chips kind of fall into place, right? Well, yes. In, in that sense, Yes, that's true. I'm younger, right? I'm under 30 and I, I, I don't have kids, not married, and I don't live like this insane lifestyle. So I don't see a case for like holding on to a ton of dry powder. And I felt like it's, it's worth it for me to have my money working for me. Um, uh, even if uh, it may be less risk averse than other things. But it's worth it to me because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building towards the future. You seem to have your head on straight. And in the world of entertainment, when you're talking about singers, artists, actors, even athletes to an extent, sometimes when you make a lot of money quickly, you lose it quickly. And we've seen this happen time and time again. And you're in this world and you're witnessing a lot of this firsthand. Sometimes you see where. You know, money can take people to great places, but also money can really destroy people. You're so embedded in this world of entertainment, and you've probably seen it where people lose millions overnight. Why? Financial literacy. Um, you know, if you think about it specifically, like in the music space, a lot of people were homeless. A lot of people were poor. Their story um, is what gravitated fans to them, but they had no concept of money. They knew nothing about it. People saw 
dollar signs, took advantage of them early. Same thing with athletes. Athletes have been, you know, propped up and, 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 and always put on this pedestal to where they didn't have to do too much thinking for themselves. The moment they have to make some real life decisions, they start bringing in folks who sell them dreams and they get taken advantage of. A lot of times, it's not so much the athletes or entertainers are irresponsible with money. They're irresponsible with who they choose to put around them. A lot of them end up, you know, going with yes men versus people who give them more realistic snapshots of what their life looks like. And they start digging a deep hole for themselves. And I, I pride myself on not being a yes man. In a lot of ways, I'm a no man. <laughs> I would rather be that way than help my clients or friends or whoever the case may be, you know, dig themselves in the hole they can't dig themselves out of. I want to learn how you became savvy. So take us back. What's your earliest money memory? And what, what was it that you learned from that? Oh, man, I'm going to tell you. So I had to have been like maybe six or seven. And I was obsessed with movies. So my mom literally bought me every Disney and this, and every movie on videotape. And I lived, you know, an incredible childhood. You know, we didn't live in the safest area in the world. And we lived in a pretty decent sized apartment complex. And I used to rent the movies out to my friends in the neighborhood for 25 cents. And I used to literally make like two or three dollars a month. Like to me, I was rich. You were a Netflix. Yeah, I was the hand to hand Netflix. And so what did you uh, use that money for? You know, candy, happy meals for McDonald's, <laughs> like kid stuff. But you had an appetite for making money even back then. I think that's significant. And you yeah. were going to go out there and get it for yourself. I love that. Okay, well, along the way, we all make mistakes. That's how we learn. You know, we pick ourselves up and we learn from failure. What was a financial failure that you don't mind sharing that really taught you an enormous amount? Oh, I'll tell you. So I had a decent amount of money saved up from doing little things here and there, like promoting parties and whatnot in high school. And I tried to uh, promote shows, concerts. And I did like a string of dates with the rapper Mike Jones when he was on fire. And literally I lost every penny. And it was because I had no idea what I was doing. And um, from there on, I realized that I needed to approach life, especially in my younger years, as a student versus thinking that I can just accomplish things by just winging it. And I think um, humbling myself and understanding and accepting that I, you know, I know what I know and I don't know what I don't know has helped me excel. And how old were you? In high school? I was like 18. Wow. Okay, let's flip it. Now let's talk about a so money moment in your life, a time where you had a financial win, whether it was you invested in something really brilliant, you were able to negotiate a deal in your favor. Take us back to that time in your life. Tell us that story. Man, so uh, the first tour deal that I ever negotiated for Nas was in 2007. I was I even 21 yet? And I struck a European touring deal for Nas. And it was like the first like real check I ever got. When I was making money before, it was like little at a time and I would save it. This was like big <laughs> in my mind. And it was, it was an incredible moment. You were 21. You're negotiating a European deal for Nas. How did you find yourself in this situation? I mean, how does a 21-year-old hook up with an artist like Nas and then you're on the phone, you're making calls and you're doing deals that are global? How does that happen? Teach me. That's a great question. You know, 
I, I have to be honest. A lot of it is, um, you know, I, I caught Nas at a great time. He was very fed up with, um, with the business and the people in it. And he took a gamble on a young kid that he liked personally and thought, you know, I was smart enough to figure this out. You know, I think I exceeded his expectations, though. I think he knew I was smart enough to get to a point where we can be functional. But I don't think he expected it to get to this point, um, which is fair because I didn't even think I was fit to even get to the point where he thought I could get to. But, like, I think he, he saw it. He's the one. He was, all, he was like a safety net because he was, like, he taught me, like, it's okay to make mistakes. You know what I'm saying? No big deal. Let's just talk through it. And he taught me about being honest. Because a lot of times when you're in the entertainment business and you're dealing with celebrities, you don't want to ever be the bearer of bad news. Right. And, and you string along the bad news trying to hope and pray for a miracle solution. And it never comes. And then the bad news turns into worse news. And then the worst news turns into catastrophic news. And it could have all been avoided if you just jumped in front of it and had conversations earlier about it. Um, and, and that's something he taught me. So I just think that um, I, I really attribute a lot of my success to him, his confidence in me, and him just rolling the dice on He had no business doing it. A lot of people thought he was an idiot for it. Um, for years in the business, people referred to me as not young kid manager who's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. And now, like, I, I, I consider myself one of the guys. I never got upset about that because I understood it. I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. They're right, 100%. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but, you know, I, um, I learned it. Okay, let's talk about your so money ritual. Now, we know that nurturing a healthy relationship with money comes down to good habits, right? So when it comes to your money, what is one financial habit or behavior that keeps you ahead of the game? Oh, man, that's easy. Miles and reward points. I pimp that system so well that I very rarely pay out of pocket for personal travel. What's your go-to airline? Any airline I got miles on. <laughs> <laughs> I utilize that very well. And then also the other thing too is I have so many resources for clothing and accessories and stuff. I very rarely buy clothes and shoes. A lot of my friends have brands, right? And, and they actually encourage you to wear their stuff because it's good for them. Right, it's marketing. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and I, I, I'm not famous, but I mean, I know people and they'll, you know, people will be like, hey, where'd you get that? I, you know, I'll gladly tell them where to buy it and how much it costs and all that. So like a lot of those little things in my life, I take advantage of, so I don't have to spend a ton of money on clothes and shoes and traveling and things like that. Well, not, um, not a lot of us have friends in high places, but I really like your tip about maximizing your miles. What credit card do you use? Is it all on one particular card? Which one? American Express. Ah, okay. So how many times a year do you travel? <laughs> um, man, I'm on a plane, I would say between 50 and 75 days a year and maybe more. I mean, this year, it probably was more. Okay, lightning round. Ready? We're going to do what I call So Money Mad Libs. And uh -huh. how this works is you're going to finish the sentence and just say whatever comes to your head in the moment. First one, if I win the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, the first thing I'll do is... 
Ooh, first thing I'll do is pay my taxes <laughs> on that hundred million dollars. <laughs> Second thing I'll do is, um, you know, go around to all my closest friends and family and just see if there are any hanging that are just like hampering the way they live their life. Try to help them out with that. Um, I actually think about this a lot, but not so much the lottery hook. You know, if I had like an insane liquidity event, some absurd amount of money just touched my hand, what would I do with it? And like, you know, after, after you know, I pay my taxes and all that stuff, I would put like 25% away for a rainy day. I would allocate like half to investing in different things. And then the other 25% into personal things like rewarding some of my close friends and workers who have like helped me out in my career in life, my family, whether it be like buying one of my aunts a new house or, you know, helping one of my cousins get through college or, you know, stuff like that. Like have like a little bit set aside for that. And then for me personally, I, I you know, I don't, I wouldn't have like a necessary use for it. There's no like thing that I want, you know, but that's like a shiny object. There's no car I want. I love my car. Maybe I would move to a, a new place, but I, I like the place I'm at now. So it would be more so about helping out folks around me and, and just reinvesting in myself. Awesome. Smart to pay your taxes first. Then you can play with the rest. Good answer. Okay, next one. The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is? I would say a housekeeper. I'll take uh, it. How about this one? My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on, maybe too much. Mm, this is a good one. Uh, oh, food. I spend way too much money on. I mean, I'm, that's the one thing I spend a shit ton of money on. Out of everything, like, I, I want to go to, like, the nicest, flyest shit every night. Everything else I'm cool on. Who's usually your dining companion? Who are you eating with? I got a crew. Crew of friends and, and folks that I hang out with. It depends on what city I'm into. If you're ever in New York, I want to go out with you. Yeah, I'll, I'll take you to dinner. We'll go somewhere good. Awesome. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is? Man, that's a great question. I, I wish I knew the concept of reinvesting in myself. I mean, I started doing it pretty early, but like, I wish I learned it even earlier. You know, that's one. Number two, I, I wish I knew how volatile the markets, especially in the, on the real estate side would be. I missed out on some great opportunities. But yeah, that's kind of it. I kind of like, you know, even though like I, I, I found cool ways to make money early. I did it just because I wanted like candy. Like I didn't do it because I, I like had this like greater goal. Yes, money's important. It, it, you know, I, I never like thought that hard about it or I don't have any regrets around it or anything. Okay. Do you have your wallet handy? Uh, yeah, it's in my pocket. All right. I want to know how much cash is in your wallet and what you're probably going to use to buy it with. Hold on. Let me check. I have it. Man. Uh, I have... $55 in my pocket, and I will likely use it on, like, some Starbucks and, and, and probably a cab ride. I'm flying to Austin, Texas today. Do you usually keep cash in your wallet? Because some people are completely plastic, and they don't use cash anymore. I always have somewhere between 20 and 100 bucks on max. Um, I mean, it's very rare for me to have more than, like, 100 bucks in my pocket. All right. Now, when you donate money... Anthony, where do you like to give and why? You know, it's funny. I spread it out a lot. Like folks will have different charities and stuff. And I'll just like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it. I don't really have like one place that I focus my time on, but we do a lot in education. We do a lot in third world countries. 
but we spread it out. Like there are different causes in different places. And finally, I'm so money because I'm so money because I have a smile you can't say no to. <laughs> and that is priceless. <laughs> exactly. Anthony Saleh, thank you so much. Tell us where we can find more about you and the great work that you're doing. You can go to QBVP.com. Q as in Queen, B as in Boy, V as in Victor, P as in Paul.com. Okay, got it. Thank you so much. I wish you continued success and thank you for joining me. Awesome, no problem. Thanks so much to my guest, Anthony Saleh. Thanks to his patience. I have not aired this podcast in many, many, many months. He was probably wondering what was going on. Uh, but we found it, and I'm happy to say it is now officially live on the show. If you'd like to catch the transcript and the comments from this episode, head over to somoneypodcast.com, where you can also ask me a question. Click on Ask Farnoosh. Every Friday is the chance for you to be heard and for me to answer your questions. And while you're on the site, and if you're feeling the love, sign up and get a free mini book. I put together. It's a collection of some of the best advice from this podcast. It's called So Money Secrets. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope your day is so money. So money.